we're rolling. So in a nutshell, yeah, that's how you um, that's how you escape Mexico with nothing but half of a donkey and a sombrero. Welcome to Film Nerds Hour. And this is with your host Noah Suido, Nathaniel Shoemaker, and Hannah Henricks. And we're here to tell you guys just a little bit about uh, well anything film related, more or less. Yeah, yeah, film film scripts, film production, film films. Pretty much anything will be real that you can think of. We'll be bringing you all the way back from uh, uh, movies that are well known, and then some aren't, such as RoboCop, Swamper Party Massacre, etc., stuff like that. All the way up to the big names now, like The Shining, uh, Doctor Sleep, Birds of Prey, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. As so. as far as like broadness, I feel like at a point, depending on how long we do this for we could go anywhere from the film where the train comes at the movie to a film that just came out in theaters last week so we'll be bringing reviews to you from all angles of the of the cinematic universe that is the uh the film genre so yeah i think a little bit to start off with today we wanted to, we kind of were discussing a robocop from the originals and the remake uh, mostly yeah. the originals which i recently did a a, a rewatch um i did as well and I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if I told you, I found, uh, I went to Half Price Books the other day, and I found... Uh, They're not paying for an advertisement, we're just talking about them. <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> if they want to sponsor us, we would enjoy that. That would be quite fun, free movies for everybody. Yeah, free books. Um, but they had uh, the collective edition, or the collateral edition, I don't, I don't remember. Is this the version called. where it's blue, and then it like flips open like this? I think it has the original director's X-rated cut with all the uncut scenes. So Yes. So I know the edition you're talking about, and that's the edition I watched on. And I have a fun story in regards to that edition, more specifically how I got it. So the first time I had a heart surgery, this was way back when I was like 18, which I guess is not way back, I guess. But um, I was at the uh, children's hospital, you know, down here in Minnesota, and... Uh, I was staying there, and they had, like, a thing where you can rent, because each room has, like, an Xbox, so you can rent video games from this little place or movies, and the guy who runs the place comes up to me, and he goes, hey, so I heard you were one of our, like, older patients. We have this collection of movies that we're pretty sure we're not allowed to even rent out to kids, so I don't know why we have it. Do you want to just have this? And he gave me the RoboCop trilogy. That was pretty awesome. It was... One of the greatest experiences ever. <laughs> see, I never got to see the X-rated cut. Only up until I think like two weeks ago, I got yeah. the rest of the RoboCops. It's it's better. It's be- There's not much changes, but it's you know if you're looking for more of a gore factor and just yeah. and I think that's what made RoboCop so good. And I watched some of the clips online. I know that first first uh, death scene where they're doing the robot tests. It was definitely. More substantial yeah. X-rating. Uh, my thing, though, when it comes to that, too, though, is would that would that still modern day hold mm. up as an X-rating? Because when you when you look at movies today, the gore factor and the violence factor yeah. is so much more. But at the same time, I feel like stuff like RoboCop has a sense of more realisticness because all those effects yeah. are so practical. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't. Because there's been movies that I've seen. Like, have you ever seen Bone Tomahawk? I've seen bits and clips, and I know that that's... Yeah. If that doesn't get an X rating, I don't know what governs one. And I guess, well, well, definitely uh, the one that did get X rating that I thought should was the Green Inferno. Yeah, actually. I can't believe how morbidly... (laughs) 
effed up that whole movie experience was, and I don't think I've ever cringed at a movie as much. Mm-hmm. Except for uh, Evil Dead. Evil Dead was the only other one that I... The uh, the newer one no, or the remakes? The, the, or the, original the Evil Dead. The original Sam, Sam Raimi. Raimi. Um, and that's the first movie that I've ever think I think I've ever seen that actually made me cringe. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a cringy one. Cause and it's cringe in a good way because yeah. the the claymation is like I've never seen claymation done so well. And you'd think for yeah. such a small budget, like all these eighties movies like RoboCop and Evil Dead that have like you know you can't really tell how big of a budget they have until mm-hmm. like it seems like the nineties. It seems like everything in the eighties. You couldn't really tell. Like, yeah. late 70s, early 80s, you really couldn't tell what a budget was mm-hmm. unless they were trying to strive in something like sci-fi. But even then, you could still find something that was still reminiscent of sci-fi. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Is there... There's Claymation in RoboCop, right? With Ed 209? Yeah. Yeah, that's Claymation? Yeah. There's a couple of Claymation stuff in RoboCop, I believe, and I know a lot of them is, like, light CGI. Yeah. But it... Especially RoboCop 2. Yeah, but those are all terrifying. Like, the, I think the most terrifying thing of RoboCop 2 is RoboCane, undoubtedly. Yeah. And it's not just the growling. It's like the idea that... The one thing that makes me freaked out more than anything like in horror games and stuff is when you're when you're looking at something that's really big, mm-hmm. but it's not a colossal size. It's yeah. It's just bulky and big. You're in a dark room and it's looking for you. Because the whole thing is you know that... If it's colossal, it's gonna it's gonna step on you and crush you and rip you to pieces. But when it's something like that that's just big and bulky, you're like, what is it gonna do? Because there's so many different things it can do. Because it's just slightly that much bigger than you. Gives you a little bit of an alien vibe. Have Have you yeah. seen any of the uh, RoboCops? I have not. Okay. Because right. yeah, I mean. I, I feel like RoboCop is like one of those movies that nobody nobody thinks about anymore, and like yeah. the two were working. I, I mean, I, like I know that there's a lot of people, and I know the story of how RoboCop came to be. I know that the two the two directors they they collabed on two totally different ideas, and their stories were similar. I don't remember the exact story, but I know that those two came together, and then ended up merging their their ideas together because no studio would take their previous ideas. Yeah. And then that's how RoboCop was born, and it and it was a really, really awesome concept. I like the idea that they also set it in Detroit, and it was yes. like this war torn. But another thing I think that made RoboCop so good is the fact that Alex Murphy really never gets a happy ending. Yeah. Well, and one thing I want to preface real quick before we go any further, um, if you're listening to this, we are going to 180 percent spoil the RoboCop franchise in its entirety, about right about now. Yeah. 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 So, um, but I'll say real quick right off the bat, there are some places I found on the internet that you can actually watch these movies. So if you want to, if you don't want to be spoiled, cause I, I do say these are movies that you should see, especially the, it's definitely the first one, if anything. Definitely the first and second. Yeah. Third, uh, we'll yeah. talk about it, but oh yeah. Oh boy. But if you want to see the first or the second one. You can. It's available for rent. I'm looking on here on YouTube, Google Play, Amazon Prime, Vudu, iTunes. Uh, if you have HBO, you can watch it for free on there. So if you want, pause this, watch the movies, and come back. Or if you don't care about us spoiling a movie from 1987, just uh, listen to us talk about it for a little bit. And there's your fair warning, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah. can't say we didn't warn you. Now. <laughs> yes. Oh, they'll still get mad. It's the internet. <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> yes. But uh, with with. 
Uh, Alex Murphy, he never he never really gets that happy ending, which I think no. makes it much better. Yeah, because it, it as you watch the movies, each movie uh, sets the standard like the stake of he wants to become more human again, but he really can't become that same person, even yes. though what little, even though it's kind of like an Inspector Gadget type you know scenario. It's Inspector Gadget if it wasn't as happy. <laughs> yeah, yes. essentially, if it wasn't as lighthearted and go go gadget yeah, instead yeah. of go go gadget toothpaste, it's go go gadget. Let's take a gun out of my leg and just shoot everybody and have a gore fest. Go go gadget, shoot through a woman's skirt at a guy's crotch. <laughs> pretty much, which is a legit scene, by the way, in that movie. It's spectacular. Uh, yeah, that first RoboCop is just it is just beautifully done, and yeah. I think a lot of the reason those movies are so well done. Is because it was a time, like the 80s it seems like for sci-fi. And somebody who didn't grow up in the 80s, I look at all these 80s movies and I'm like, I've never really seen a bad 80s movie. Because it seems like that was the peak where everybody was like, okay, we have the special effects, the practical effects. Let's just go all out and do some crazy shit that, that people don't think of visually and story-wise. But I think a lot of them are so so ambitious that a lot of people also weren't ready for them. Yeah, because I feel like 80s, that was the time of film right before they got to the mindset of, well, the story doesn't have to make sense. If we make it look cool enough, it doesn't have to have a plot. And it, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's where Hollywood really went wrong with a lot of movies. It's, Unfortunately. It's yeah. that, that golden age that, that you know people were coming up with all these ideas. Hollywood was making so much money. With, oh, the revolutionary special effects now. We have some technology and computers that we can work with. And they've been coasting all the way up till now where they're like, let's just remake everything. Like the remake of RoboCop. It's better than three. It's better than three. It is better than the third one. Uh, And and that's another thing, too. uh, And is that uh, the the third RoboCop was rated PG-13. Yeah. And the remake was PG-13. What I've never understood about those classic movies, even like Mad Max, is why they take an R-rated series and they try to dumb it down. And what I think it is, is I really think it was Hollywood just saying, like, let's try to sell more tickets. Yes. But the problem is, you, can, you can't really do that with a franchise. That one letter rating change, uh, it, it, it can either grant a blessing to a movie... In some cases, or can completely screw the entire franchise. And I feel like their mindset behind making three PG-13 as opposed to R is they realize that, hey, this doesn't have to be a movie. It could be a marketing tool, because if we sell action figures, we're going to make a lot more in the long run. And I am not a fan of that kind of storytelling. <laughs> and, and, and I think they thought that they could branch out with a story, too, which, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. like, when you look at... The Scream franchise, you know, and that might be a bad example because the series didn't do so well. But, it, like, let's say we do something like Evil Dead. Like, the Evil yeah. Dead franchise, Ash vs. Evil Dead, I don't care what anybody says, I enjoyed it. I watched all those first, which... It's a great show. You know, everybody will be like, well, why didn't you watch the originals? I didn't have the original three, but uh, I still have yet to watch two. But, you know, the series of that was great. And because I watched that with such high regard, I wanted to go see the original films. And I enjoyed those so much, as much as I did the show. So, you know, a lot of those, you know, they got toned down a bit, I'm sure. Because they became more lighthearted comedy. Yeah. 
They lean more to the comedy side than the horror. But, I mean, it, it never made it any less scary. There are still a couple bits in Ash vs. Evil Dead where you're kind of like, oh, that's... Yeah, it's a little disturbing. Mm-hmm. That makes me upset. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I think it was the big tiger in Season 3. There was, like, a tiger mascot. Yeah, yeah. That's not really a spoiler. That was in trailers. No, that was in <laughs> trailers. So, nothing major spoil for the Evil Dead. But, yeah. uh, be warned that if it does slip up, you've been warned. So Our bad. But no, I, I feel like movies like Evil Dead and stuff like that, they can be a success, but but a lot of the, the problem with modern day Hollywood is that they've just sucked the creativity and turned everything into a marketing ploy. Like, yeah. Deadpool and Logan, you know, show that doesn't matter what, what rating you have. And from like a very young age with something like the X-Men, when my dad first showed me, I think I was six... When I, when I finally saw the first X-Men movie with my dad, mm-hmm. is that I knew right away at six years old that Wolverine was never a PG-13 character. A person who could literally shoot literal knives out of his hands, smokes a cigar like every other scene, and just looks like a total badass was never a PG-13 character. No. There was so much more potential. And and I think that was like the biggest thing was was the knives. It was just him having those, those animantium claws and being able to stab people. And having a healing factor that made me right away like, this can't be like this kind of movie because he could do so much more with those claws. Yeah. And, you know, then we look at something like X-Men Origins, which we don't talk about X-Men Origins. (sighs) I saw X-Men Origins for the first time two weeks before it came out because there was this thing called pirated movies that you could get on little DVDs if you knew the right place and the right things to say to the right people. (laughs) And I got a version of X-Men Origins that is not complete. There is CGI that is undone. There is strings you could see. And if anything, that enhanced the experience. (laughs) (laughs) Because X-Men Origins... Well, my my, my favorite thing, too, is how Fox is the Sony of the X-Men movies. But my favorite part about X-Men Origins is that they, they decided to put Origins right on the front of it and assume that it was going to do well. Yeah, Well, they, they, they did X-Men Origins dot dot Wolverine. I feel like at a certain level they were trying to start an X-Men Origins franchise because they, they were planning on doing an X-Men Origins Magneto. They were going to do an X-Men Origins Deadpool. Yeah, but um, then they realized... That it tanked so bad, they just gave up on it on the entirety. Yeah. Which I I would have watched an origin about Magneto's story because he has a compelling origin story if it's written right. And it is, and I mean, I mean, a lot of the problem too, though, is what they would what they would have done is uh, I feel like they would have done what they did with Michael Fassbender, <sighs> where each generation and decade he still looks like he's forty years old, even though he should have been <laughs> played by McKellen. By, it's, like, Apocalypse and everything yeah, or in the 40s. At, at very least, an age down, McKellen. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. But, I mean, like, the, the, the concept was interesting. I mean, seeing the first part of Wolverine, you know, and seeing him and Victor fight through all those wars was completely awesome. That was the coolest part of that movie. I yeah. love that about that movie. What I didn't like is everything else. <laughs> like, that was literally the only good thing I can say. And I was somebody who supported the X-Men movies a lot. Right up until I realized just how bad I watched uh, Screen Rant's uh, Pitch Room. Shout Very, out to Screen Rant. Yeah, Screen Rant. If you haven't seen that, go watch them. Their pitch meetings. They they, they make absolute fun of every movie, good or bad. Um, 
Very, very good series. But, you know, it wasn't really until I looked at that and listened to all the flaws, not watching the actual movie, that I was like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. There are some huge plot holes and detail things that are that are just, like, right out of left field that was just like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, like, the other thing, too, is, like, a lot of people were excited to see a Wolverine story because Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. He's iconic. Yeah, and I don't see anybody, like, even in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, somebody else portraying him. Because that'd be like trading somebody to play Deadpool. Like, I don't see anybody else but Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool. Because they're both perfect fits, perfect casting choices. Like, you would never want to see another person try to portray Iron Man other than Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Because he's so good. Because, in a sense, it is him. His journey with those movies is a reflection of his journey from his life from when he got that role all the way up until Endgame. Uh, where, where, you know, spoiler for the MCU that, uh, you know, he goes from, you know, this greedy prick of a playboy to this uh, sacrificial type hero that's willing to do anything to better the universe and the happiness of others beyond himself. Yeah. And, you know, so stuff like that. So I feel like, you know, when you when you get somebody like Hugh Jackman and everybody was excited to see this X-Men Origins be like, ooh, we finally get to see, like, this gritty Hugh Jackman movie, you know, they did not deliver. A, it was PG-13, which is like, okay, it was pretty dark for PG-13 movies. But the whole cameo of Cyclops and everything and how they tried to rule it in, like, nobody in the original X-Men trilogy realized who Wolverine was, even though he played a key role in saving all of their lives from, from William Stryker. Yeah. And, you know, Professor X is, like, the only one who seemed to remember him. So did, did Charles just wipe everybody's minds? My right away for that is that being in that facility is such a traumatic experience for everybody that it's blocked out of their minds entirely. I mean, it makes sense, too. Yeah. But there's nothing that could make us forget that, that, that shit-tastrophe that was called Deadpool. I don't know what De- Fox Deadpool and X Men Origins Wolverine. The Deadpool movies are great. The character yes. Deadpool and X Men Origins, which we'll just call Weapon Eleven because it's not even worthy of the name Deadpool. I don't know what Fox was thinking or why they were like, you know, like oh, people would love this instead of an actual Deadpool movie. But yeah. my favorite part, I think, was the fact that. If you watch all the way to the end credits, there's that post-credit scene of uh, Weapon Weapon Eleven's body uh, using his hand to crawl across all the rubble and touch the head, and then its mouth has been ripped open so it can go. Shh. Mm-hmm. So they were teasing a movie for that, and it was like, but what made you think that people wanted to see that? Yeah. Like, if it was, like, a different version. I mean, and that's the best part about Deadpool 2, was seeing that end credit where Ryan Rounds goes back and... And shoots himself. Shoots himself for taking the Green Lantern role and shooting the Deadpool, uh, Origins version of Deadpool dead 50 times, just unloading a whole clip into it. Mm Yes. Well, I do agree with everything you have said so far. I feel like it's my duty to say, so RoboCop... (laughs) (laughs) Because we went on a bit of a tangent there. I think we started at 80s movies and we somehow ended up at Deadpool. Yes, there is that. 
So RoboCop, I want to talk about the pacing for a bit because you will pro- you might agree with me. The first movie, it doesn't feel like the pacing is off, at least in practice. But I would be amiss if I wasn't to point out that we meet Murphy ten minutes after he's getting shot p- to pieces, and then ten minutes after that, RoboCop is on his first patrol. So I just I'm not aware of how much time is passing personally. Yeah, there was a... They should have added a bit more into the filler, and that was kind of a mistake. I I would have liked to see more Alex Murphy, because... Just being him, yeah. Yeah, because it felt like even before, like, you know, when you see him as RoboCop, it seemed like a lot of people knew him on, on the Force. Yeah, yeah. And I really wish that they would have dove a little more in-depth with that, like, why is he such a high-regarded police officer hero? Because um, he was a transfer. They transferred him to a more difficult police department because they knew he could handle it. Yeah. So, like, what did he do to, to, to make him stand out more amongst that? Was it because he was a transfer and came from something small and people are like, wow, he's willing to take the risk in this hellscape that we call destroyed? Yeah. What what accolades did he gain? I would like to see that. I also wanted to actually see, like, an actual scene with him coming home to his family. Because besides that, all we get about his family is his memories. Yeah, which is which is which I get what they were trying to do, and in a sense that works mm-hmm. because it makes you sad because you don't know what his home life was like. You just yeah. know how much he longs to have his family. You so know if, bits and pieces. Yeah, so you you really see how much he cares for his family. But I would have liked to have seen at least one where he comes home and hugs his family or something or yeah. does something fun. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know. Versus today, you know, in those movies, they're they're way too overdone. Yeah, the romance stories and everything. It's like we we just need to see that. Oh, he has a good relationship. He or she yeah, yeah. has a good relationship with. Uh, yeah, twenty twenty or she. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the protagonist that we have, the main has character, a, has a good relationship with their family. So we don't need to spend the first you know thirty minutes of the movie milking it, but. You know, RoboCop, I feel like they could have spent at least, you know, like maybe five minutes just showing a couple of clips here and there of, that, uh, of his family. Yeah. And whatnot. Um, but no, I think, I think between him getting shot and him being fitted with that suit, there is not really a clear definition of, was that a week afterwards? Was that a day afterwards? Or The only clear indication we have is that they show clips of him and he's like turned on and he can see things in the lab and at a point we do get a new year's party that's, yeah that's the only knowledge we have so we know it's at least a year maybe maybe or the remainder of yeah, yeah what year it is well because they say his wife moved away and moved on so i don't think he died and she was just like i'm out of detroit uh, well maybe right. she was but you know what i mean she didn't get married immediately after i mean there's a significant amount of time but i, I wish they would have uh, they would have explained that more like well, what 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 did he do how much time passed before he actually yeah. got to to move on and I think those are like you know a couple of flaws that you can you can that are hit or miss. Yeah, it was a long enough time for his house to be on the market, and there to be TVs of a guy giving a tour of the house. <laughs> it, yeah, that is true. 
Um, which, I, if I remember, they totally just effed that place up. They, they blew it up. Yeah, they, they, they like, changed everything about his house. Just so they could put it back on the market, I guess. Yeah, because I remember that it looked like it was, like, almost like something out of Scarface. Like, yeah. A like little they, bit. That glass interior and the... Yeah. I think they were going for, let's avoid the fact that the previous person who lived here got his arm shot off. And... <laughs> Yeah, which didn't happen in his house, by the way, but, you know, we wanted to avoid the fact that, oh, this is where the, the cop who uh, transferred lost his family. I mean, if I found out the owner of a car I bought was ran over by a train, it would freak me out. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. And I was like, what is going on with that car? Yeah. And we get a lot of clips of his son looking at a guy on the TV flipping a gun and being like, can you do that, Dad? I think he says it five times in the first movie. Yeah. And, you know, it's just little stuff like that. But I feel like, you know, it wasn't exactly, like, a hindrance either. No. No, not even a little bit. It's just that... But, like, that overall pacing of the movie, you know... And, I and I, like, I know that they try to do it now. Like, if you've seen the movie Underwater, right away... I've not seen it yet. <sighs> I liked it because it reminded me of the movie Life. Yeah. Grand Rounds of Jake Gyllenhaal, which... You liked that movie? I liked it. Okay. I like the idea of having an alien clone. I think a lot of those movies, like, a lot of people are like, oh, they're just a clone of alien and stuff. Because a lot of people don't go in with open minds. I like to see something beyond just a xenomorph. It's nice to see a concept that's still the same, but also expands and unfolds in a different way with a different creature. Which I feel like that's what Underwater did. That's mm-hmm. the one with uh, Chris and Stark, right? Yes. Yeah. And, yes. you know, I think it was a lot better than people gave it credit for. It. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys want to see a good movie, you, you got to go into it with an open mind. You can't yeah. go into it judging. Yeah. Same with the, the RoboCop franchise. Uh, as general movies, even the third one, they're enjoyable. But the third one has a sequel uh, between not having Peter Weller reprising his role from the first two and... Uh, other other things I'll try not to spoil here. Yeah. Other character developments, it, it was... Or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was really just a bummer and, and really took a lot of us out of it. Um, and it could have been handled differently and in a, a, a much better way. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Uh, but if you go into them with an open mind just to enjoy them as a good watch... Uh, same with Underwater. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. The Kristen Stewart movie. Charlie's Angels. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> we don't talk the... about that either. Yeah, no. <clears throat> but, you know, uh, but but with Underwater, like, the first thing is they, they go right into the action. And I felt like that's what Robocop did. They tried to spend mm. more time, so they didn't necessarily bore the audience. Uh, and as much as they could have, they made it work. Yeah. Even if the pacing wasn't the best, they made it work overall. They got into the action of when you when you when you when you see Robocop on his first mission, uh well even before that, when you see him training and how how, how advanced he is. Yeah, into uh, the shooting range. Yeah. yeah. And that was the best part. I feel like that was like a crucial part of what made Robocop so good was seeing him in that shooting mm-hmm. range. Because, you know, a lot of these movies, they go out and they show a field mission. It's like, oh, that's badass. Yeah. But a lot of these movies, you never get to see the protagonist uh, be wowed with other people around. It's usually just the audience. With Robocop, he goes to the shooting range, takes out his gun, and starts shooting all these targets. And has uh, 
accurate aim, incredibly accurate aim, and you see all these cops, and they're they're all gathering around Robocop, like, oh my god, look how accurate he is, look at his gun. His gun's like, like seven times more powerful than their gun. <laughs> yeah, and it shoots at a at a kind of like almost like a semi-automatic mix. Yeah, it shoots. I think like. It sounds to three me bullets? like three, five, maybe. It's like three to five bullets at a time, and it shoots them with tremendous force. Yeah. So all these cops are intrigued by how accurate RoboCop is and and uh, how amazing his gun is. And they have like a sense of wonder. Like they're like, holy, holy heck, what 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 is this? And how is he in, uh, you know, how does this work? And, you know, you get to be right up there with the audience of being like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. So it immerses you... And you get to share the same kind of wow as uh, as the uh, the other cops do. Yeah. And that that's like one of the best parts about RoboCop too is that you feel like as you watch uh, the cops that are around RoboCop, every time he does something cool, there's other people usually around to kind of see it too, and they're all like, "Wow!" Even like some of the bad guys are like, "Yeah, that's terrifying." But holy crap, how does he? How is he doing that? You know, that first uh, robbery he stops. In the first movie, with the guy with the machine gun who's just shooting at him, and every time he shoots at him, he goes, F me, F me, because nothing is happening. And then he just walks up to him, grabs the gun, just bends it. Yeah, which is like a whole Superman thing. And yeah. That's the other cool part. I, I've always loved those scenes in movies and yeah. TV shows. Like, the best part is, like, you know, seeing Robocop or Superman, and the bullets just reflect off of them. Yeah. Not only does it make for visually visual satisfaction, but it's also just cool because you also put yourself in that headspace and would be like, how amazed and afraid would you be if the thing that you were trying to shoot just kept reflecting bullets and just didn't stop? Just kept walking at a steady motion like... Or what would you do huh? if that's how you reacted to bullets? I can say it confidently. I'd probably do more crime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty awesome. Uh, and I think, like, a little off topic here is uh, the, the first se- season of Luke Cage. Or, no, the second season uh, where Luke Cage is battling some bad guys. Yeah. And they go to shoot him and he goes, and Luke Cage goes, really, man? And he's like, and the bad guy literally goes, well, you know we have to try. And Luke Cage goes, all right. Um, then shooting. puts his puts his arms out. They start shooting at him, and then he kicks their butts. But that it, those scenes make for such good comedic and like visual, you know, and they make you feel that way too. Okay, well, like going to like the question you asked earlier, put yourself in those people's shoes. Like they're shooting at this person, and they're not dying. How hopeless do you feel? Like I'm never gonna get rid of this person. That's yeah. gonna kill me yeah and i should preface when i said i would do more crime i meant i would do crime i don't do crime <laughs> <laughs> for a second i was like don't say this but it happened <laughs> yeah yeah because you know as a person you know a gun against another person is pretty effective but if it has no effect and that's kind of your ace in the hole you're like well i guess i died today <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know those scenes like and, and and every movie what makes every movie in those scenes good and and that goes for both the hero the protagonist and the antagonists is guns are everything yeah because that's modern day we don't get lasers and stuff or they're not common you don't see a police officer in real life take out like a laser gun yeah. you know we all sh- when we have firearms we have pistols and stuff like that so for us, that's that's the next powerful thing, or a rocket launcher. Anything that has a lot of uh, power and kickback is like, you know, those are the things that 
you realize right away. Yeah. So that's what makes those scenes also as like um as amazing as they are terrifying. It's one of my favorite scenes in the second RoboCop is when it goes to those guys who are like robbing the um they're robbing the the like gun store or whatever. Oh and the guy yeah. picks up the missile launcher and then he goes, Oh, and he and you see him off screen, he goes, Oh, and he puts down the totally realistic missile launcher and picks up the definitely fake looking missile launcher. <laughs> <laughs> Just starts shooting at him. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, that movie had a lot of flaws. The second one had a lot of flaws, but was over overall enjoyable. Yeah. But one of those best things, too, is that uh, in the beginning of the second film, um, they blow up a cop car. Yeah. And they shoot it twice. Yes. Well, and the reason they're robbing the place is they're not expecting any cops to show up because the police are on strike. Which, in this <laughs> dystopian version of Detroit, is the worst thing to happen. So, yeah. you know, it's like if you've seen the show Gotham... Or, like, you just know Gotham City. That's what it's like. They just run rampant everywhere. Crime is at an all-time high. They emphasize how bad it is by showcasing a, um, a homeless woman pushing a cart of cans. And as she's in the middle of the street, somebody hits the cart and just keeps driving. Then somebody comes by to supposedly help her, takes her purse. He's walking down the street, counting his cash. Two hookers attack him and take the cash. So you know, <laughs> you know it's bad when hookers start attacking people. When muggers can't even get money, <laughs> it's an issue. No, it's not. But still, you know. But then you know it's bad. But yeah. you know that 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 beginning though is like oof. And then uh, when you get to that gum part, the the cool thing too with the with the bullet subject is that uh, you see RoboCop pull up in his car. They shoot the car twice, and then you see uh, RoboCop get out of his car. After it's exploded, his... and it's on fire, and he and just flipped over. Out. Yeah, yeah. So he, and he just walks out, and it's done a full 360. He gets out, walks out without a scratch, and just starts walking towards them. Yeah. And so with those scenes, like I was saying earlier, like, could you imagine just shooting a rocket launcher at, at like, a car or something, trying to blow up your enemy, and all of a sudden they just walk out? And they're just like, you ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> I feel I feel comfortable with saying this. I would soil myself. I feel comfortable with saying. I think that. anybody would 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 take a leak in their pants or crap yeah. their pants because yeah. I mean that that'd be horrifying. Yeah, yeah. You know, but for us as the audience, we're like, oh, that's awesome. Well, it's but cool. <laughs> change pace to something like the thing. Mm. When you shoot that. You get a totally different sense. And it's interesting how films do that. Yeah. Like how you could take one second to another. Because, you know, you could do something like the thing where you're successful and shooting the beast. And you're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. And then all of a sudden they go to the they go to shoot a rocket launcher at it. And then that has no effect because the creature's evolved or something like that. And instantly you get a sense of dread too. Because yeah. you're like, you know, that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Now, if we could go into one other topic, too, is is horror. Yeah, because RoboCop is a little horror-esque as far as, like, blood goes and terrifying imagery. Yeah, yeah there are some quite, especially RoboCane. Yeah. RoboCane is definitely, like, nightmare fuel right down to his growling features. Uh, yes, uh, I think most nightmare fuel for me for RoboCop 2 is when they're showcasing the early prototypes and the one guy takes off his helmet and it's just a skull screaming and he's like, yeah! That, <laughs> that is so funny but haunting at the same time. Which... It's like meeting 
the mascot for McDonald's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's another thing about horror is, uh, as somebody who's watched a lot of horror films, and I think I think all three of us have. Yeah, that's fair um, to say. Yeah. Horror uh, TV shows, too. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of them are hard to scare, uh, especially me, because a lot of them are just jump scares. Yeah. But the, the time that I feel the most scared uh, is something like Paranormal Activity or Sinister. Mm-hmm. And and the reason I can't watch those movies alone, and a lot of people say, well, that's stupid that you can watch it alone or something like that, and you're terrified of paranormal activity. And the thing is, because those are so much semi-more realistic. Yeah. They don't rely on music and jump scares. They, yeah. they, they create an atmosphere and a sense of emptiness. Yeah. Like, the other day, I was listening to the theme of The Thing in the Car. Uh, she can attest to this. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Hannah was with me, and and the thing about the thing that I never noticed about the theme before is that when you're listening to it, even in the car, and my car is a little bit noisy because it's a, it's an older car, uh, is that 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 soundtrack, even not being fully up, like that whole theme sucked the whole the whole sounds from outside, yeah, you know, out of it. Yeah, it just made this bright, beautiful day all of a sudden just eerie and kind of, you know, just like you said. Well, that's the thing, because your brain associates that theme with that movie. So you are feeling what you felt while watching that movie while you're listening to the soundtrack. And and the thing with that music, too, that a lot of horror movies don't have is that 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 music is absent. Yeah. It's primarily just a heartbeat Mm -hmm. and nothing else with a little bit of a back tone as as it progresses. Yeah. So it really sucks any any sort of ambient noise out of existence at all. And that's the most horrifying things about those movies is is, is every horror film may not be scary when you see it in the theater, but the reason that, you know, like I always get scared when I come home is like thinking what if? Yeah. Like that's what makes Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise so scary or even Tim Curry like one of the things that still terrifies me about that miniseries is in the very uh, beginning. So the spoilers for the miniseries. Uh, <laughs> say it. Spoilers for anything on any screen ever. <laughs> yeah, it's just easier we'll, that we'll way. We'll just put a disclosure for everything that we say here will potentially be a spoiler because yeah, we don't even think about it at this point. It's just subconscious, <laughs> and we are doing a film podcast. So yes, <laughs> uh, the, but the, now we're talking about a miniseries. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Um, but that first, that first, uh, part of that, uh, the original It miniseries movie is that when, when Pennywise says hi to that little girl on the tricycle yeah, and you see the blinds, it cuts to the blinds and then all of a sudden you see him just staring at that girl. Like that is the most mortifying thing. Even when I pause on that screen, it terrifies me because it always makes me think, if I open my blinds, is there going to be somebody? Because our my fence in my house has fallen down just from being old and it's rotted. So my thing is, am I ever going to see somebody just standing in my neighbor's yard, staring at me with that, like with that intense, like anger, hunger, or whatever, yeah. whatnot you want to call Pennywise in that scene? And that's scary to think about because it's like what you know you 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 would open your blinds expecting to see something, and then you just see somebody just staring at you. Yeah. And there's nothing more horrifying than that. And you know another thing with the, with the horror genre too is uh, when you see uh, humans, yeah, thrillers, and I think thrillers are very underrated. Yes, there's nothing scarier than thinking about humans 
and what humans can do to people in those movies. And that's why I always found those movies terrifying. Because when a person stares at you, it can mean many things. Even as a blank stare. You have no idea what they're slowly thinking about. They could be thinking about, wow, that person has nice clothing. Wow, those person, you know, they can pull off a style real good. That person may be cute or handsome or whatever. Or they could be thinking, wow, that would be a perfect next victim. Yeah. Which is why, you know, when I walk around in public, that's like the creepiest thing for me. Uh, minus those movies. is when I, when I feel like somebody's staring at me, even though they may not be, they might be looking in my general direction. I think a lot of people can, can vouch for that. But that's like one of the scariest things because you don't know what a person is thinking. We as humans don't necessarily know what we're thinking. And that's the same thing with monsters. You know? Speaking of people staring. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking at me like... No, um... Yeah, people can be terrifying. I don't think we got to talk about it much because there wasn't that long of a wait between, but uh, we were both, I would say, generally terrified from Parasite when we saw that in theaters. <laughs> yeah, Parasite is a perfect example. It's... Yeah. it's, it's you know, the, what what humans can be capable of. Yeah, great movie. We're not going to spoil it. Cause no, you, no, you, need, you need to watch Parasite for yourself. You want to do that, you, or you want to get a spoiler, you do that in your own time. Yeah. We won't talk about it here. Yeah, we'll but, only talk about it in the context of we might do a review on it, for sure. But I can we can say that Parasite really does show human nature from every aspect. Multiple perspectives, yeah. And not just one. And that's what makes humans so much interesting. Like, when you get something like Pennywise, you, you, you know what their motives are. They're clearly stated, even if you have no idea what that source content is, of anything, even the thing. You know that they're a killer. Right, right. And you know that's what the movie's about. Now, what their motives may be, may be unclear. Yeah. But you know that they're there to be there. With a human, you don't quite know what their motives are. And because humans are, are were such complex... Uh, we're such complex uh, creatures, you could never tell what one person's thinking. Because we have the capability to mask. We we can put many masks over our face. And, um, you know, potentially, you know, do many different things and have many different faces for, for, for many different reasons. Uh, something like, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen The Intruder with Dennis Quaid. I don't think I have. Oh, is that... um. African-American couple buys a new house from a guy who yes. sticks around. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I haven't seen it, but good? Bad? It's okay. good. Okay. It's good. And and even something like Ma is actually pretty good. Oh, I have seen Ma. <laughs> and, 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 you know, a lot of people don't like those movies, but I think what a lot of people don't do, too, is not a lot of people go into these movies with open minds. They just no. expect to be scared. No. And you can't do that with with horror films. You need to be willing to, to go out... And have an open mind and really, really think about that and put yourself in those shoes and, and think about the position that you're in. Yeah. Well, what I liked about Ma was it really showed that, like, not every actor can just do one thing. Because, like, Octavia Spencer, she's known for just, like, she's in a lot of movies. Like, she's in The Help and she's hilarious in that. And she's... I, I've never seen her do horror and I'm surprised at how well it worked. Yeah. yeah, and and that's the thing with actors. Like a lot of these, and and that's what makes these human thrillers so perfect. Yeah, is because like I don't think anybody like people who knew Joaquin Phoenix knew he could do a strong performance. Yeah, but I don't think anybody expected him to do as well with Joker. No, no, not even not at all. You know, and and that was something with like Heath Ledger. Nobody yeah. expected Heath Ledger yeah. to do half as good of a job, or even be the one of the most 
right up there with Joaquin Phoenix now to be one of the best takes on Joker. Yeah. But what makes Heath Ledger so terrifying, and I, and I know that people are terrified of him on set because he was in character a lot of the time, uh, is is that's the most terrifying part because nobody would think that Heath Ledger could be that that much of an embodiment of the Joker. Yeah. And I think that's what freaked people out the most because it's like, how do you not get lost in that? People surprising you. Yeah. Yes, people can do so many surprising things yeah. that you 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 would be like, how? Yeah, like I was, I was shocked at one of the um, one of the scariest characters in RoboCop. I don't know, do to bring it back. Um, was Clarence, who I used to know just as the dad from that '70s show. Right. Yeah, yeah. Glasses, you know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know what you're so I was just trying to bring it back a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. 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 We were all, I wanted to talk about the supporting cast for a little bit. Yeah, no, that's fine. A lot of good supporting characters. Nancy Allen is... Is that Lewis? Is, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's probably one of the better parts. Because that's how we get our human perspective to RoboCop, is seeing it as an outsider of a person who knew who he was before that. And, you know, seeing her perspective on the whole situation. And and she really keeps Alex Murphy grounded to the fact that he is still human. Yeah. He's just in a metal casing. Yeah. She's his reminder. Yeah. Yeah. So And, and that's why she plays such a crucial role. So I think uh, by, by the end of three, uh, when there are some unfortunateies, that really puts... One of my citing arguments for why three is in general a bad movie. They killed Lewis within, what was it, 10, 20, 30 Half hour. Minutes? Yeah, half hour? Okay. And there's still like an, uh, that movie I believe is a duration of like an hour and 30 minutes, I think. Yeah. I don't, while you look that up, I'll say, I don't understand why her death needed to happen. Because it didn't. Okay? Because we all, because I feel like what they were trying to ma- do is kill her to make us care about Robocop. We already cared. You didn't need to kill her. Exactly. <laughs> and and it's an hour and 45 minute movie. And that, that really changed. It's an hour and 44 minutes too long. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, and right down <coughs> to uh, Rotten Tomatoes kind no of says it all. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're, we, we don't want to diss on it. We still want you guys to go see it. Definitely go see it and, and formulate your own opinion. Yeah. Don't, don't let that. Because too many people let uh, the opinion of the overall, you know, affect their movie experience go into it with an open mind yeah and go in and enjoy it because at the end of the day it's a popcorn movie it's a great movie just to binge the robocop series uh even some of their prime directive like feature length uh mini series episodes yeah they're 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 fun to binge but they're definitely no peter weller robocop no we all love not not nothing in the franchise i think holds a candle to the original yeah and I felt like with three, the pitch meeting must have been, guys, we don't need to have a returning lead or our script be good because we have ninja robots. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, that was the biggest part, too, is, is like, the whole, like, you know, Rotten Tomatoes says it all. Uh, this asinine sequel should be placed under arrest, which is yes. one of the one of the more accurate Things that Rotten Tomatoes has ever done. Can we have a show where we just read Rotten Tomato <laughs> critic scores? Because those are a delight in and of themselves. Those are. Um, and, oh, Rip Torn was the CEO. Uh, but driving, oh. it, driving it back Oh, from to... Men in Black. Yeah. yeah. I thought I recognized him. And I Rest in peace. That. Yes. Um, 
But also uh, bringing it bringing it uh, back to uh, bits and bits of back. With with Nancy Ellen and her her character Anne dying in that in that movie, uh, yeah. the, the problem was... with killing her off so early too was the fact that they did not have Peter Weller. Yeah, you can't kill off a good supporting role that's almost, if not as equal to the to the protagonist. Yeah, with a totally different actor, and that's never to to to, to you know discredit like you know Robert John Burke. He still played a good RoboCop, yeah, in my opinion. He was fine. You know, he got the movements right. He got the movement right and the facial expressions the when they had the mask off. Yeah. So you know that's not to you know diss him in any way. He did play good RoboCop, but yeah. I just don't think you should kill the only act, one of the only actors who returned for the movie. Yeah, because it it takes away, and in a sense, when you when you recast like that, you're you're basically starting over. Yeah. Because you have a fresh face. Um. And something like uh, to go go off, but also bring it back afterwards is uh, like the movie Solo. Uh, mm. Aiden Enrich, actually, in my opinion, I'm not much of a fan of the Disney movies at all, which we'll say for a whole another episode. <laughs> um, but Aiden Enrich did a great young Han Solo. But the problem is that how his name is pronounced? Aldrin Enrich, or that was Eckhart something, or his last name was that. I think it's Aldrin Enrich. I, I can't... Pronunciation um, look up. <laughs> Enrich. Something like that. But, you know... Um, I'll know him, if I see it. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a very German spelling. Um, Alden Enreich? That, 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 that might be right. That, that that that's might how be. you say it in German, so I would assume that's the pronunciation. Yeah. <clears throat> But the guy who played Han Solo, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and 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 you know he he's he's a he's a good young Han Solo. The only problem that I mainly had with him as Han Solo is because this is a a ten year, um, it, it's only like ten years before uh, A New Hope. And that's not enough time to have a drastic facial change. No, no, he can't go from looking like a Backstreet Boy to looking like Harrison Ford. Yeah, and that's <laughs> a lot of problems when you take these movies. So, so in a sense, you may love that character, but but Soul had a very different feel because it was a different actor, and because we've already seen that when Han, when when Harrison played Han, he was already fairly young. He was only in his thirties. Really? But he, but he, but yeah, but he looked like he was mm. in his twenties. Yeah, he really that like his early twenties. The dude looked. stayed handsome for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, he, and and one of the things that Harrison Ford did age pretty well because he still looks fairly pretty much the same as he did when he was young. A couple more wrinkles and whatnot. that earring helps. <laughs> <laughs> one piercing, yeah. right? And and you know, so with but yeah, and with uh, RoboCop three. You know that was the that was the biggest part for me is I hate seeing uh, recasts for iconic characters because you yeah. can only do that under certain certain circumstances. Like the yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe did it with Edward Norton, and I think Mark Ruffalo was a much better choice. Oh, that's who you're talking. About. Okay, for a second I was thought you were talking about the other recast they did, which was War Machine, and I was like, Edward Norton did not play War Machine. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was too Don Cheadle. Cheadle from uh, why can't I remember? Because he's a good actor too. 
Don Cheadle is the newer one. Don Cheadle is the one who plays the current War Machine. He was in um, he was in Oceans 11, 12, and thirteen. He was in those. Uh, Howard Howard Terrence. Yeah, the Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard, that's the guy right. who the guy from Empire. Yeah, and he's a good actor too. I don't know quite why they replaced him. I know that the, the Disney kind of screwed him over with this contract. I think Don Cheadle was a was a, was, a, was a better choice. Yeah. Well, he wasn't necessarily better, but he fit. He fit the bill. Yeah. A little I, bit I more. I feel like it, yeah. I feel like he definitely seemed like he cared more about the role. Yeah, I feel like he was just more more comfortable, facial-wise, and just, like, who he is. Just visually, he was more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Where Terrence Howard felt more like if it was, like, a solo type, if they just done Iron Man by himself. Today, yeah. And did, like, an episodic standard trilogy or whatnot. Um... But, you know, we, we all love Mark Ruffalo as the yeah, Hulk. He's, he's great. He's and great. I personally don't see Edward Norton being a team player. That's not to discredit him in any way. He's a great I'd actor. Just, he is. Him I, and Birdman, I, he's great. I would never see him, though. I don't think I could see him working in something like the MCU and being yeah. like a team player. Well, something I think Edward Norton is quoted as saying one of the reasons he quit was he didn't like being associated with something that's inherently negative, which... You can look at the Hulk in a certain perspective of that, but I don't think that's the character as the whole as a whole. No, and and Hulk is loved too, and by the by by these later MCU movies, he's loved. Yeah, I mean, despite some people being scared of him, you see it all over the Avengers that people absolutely love Hulk. Like the little kids at the end of Avengers, yeah. freaking out over with their Hulk action figures and balloons and stuff, or like yeah. Thor Ragnarok where they're parading through the streets like Hulk. Yeah, and they're getting, getting pictures with him in Endgame, and he's, you know, wearing huge sweaters, which, my God, the thread count on that was really <laughs> Expensive clothing. Gotta cost $1,000 minimum for that Hulk sweater. Right. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's stuff like that, that, that you know, were good re- recastings, and but they did it very early on. Yeah. They, they didn't, it wasn't a sudden thing. We yeah. were able to ease into it and adjust our brains a little bit. You know, with with the main character, you can't really change that. But with supporting roles, or even yeah. some main characters, depending on the circumstances, like like with Edward Norton, uh, a, a shift change can be good. Yeah. Uh, in a term of recasting, um, the biggest thing I think too with people is is, is that it's that it's that facial change. Yeah. And the structure build of those actors that really throw people through a loop. But, you know, those second movies are, are kind of a concreting moment. It's yeah. when the concrete really dries. And who has ever been in those previous movies, you want to see reprise those roles. Because automatically, they've already become a, a cult and a major part of that classic of that, that particular franchise. 100%. That's why I was weirdly, when I saw the third one, I was weirdly happy to see that the chief was still the same guy. The police chief. Yeah. He's still the same guy. Uh, one of the the main suit guy, who we'll talk in a second, he has my favorite moment in the first RoboCop movie. The guy with the glasses. Yeah, I know what you're talking He's about. He's still there. Yeah. I, I, I'm just happy to see familiar faces. What can I say? Yeah. But my favorite scene in the first RoboCop movie is the end, when uh, he says Dick fl- Jones, when he gets uh, shot out the window, and... Oh, the God, dude, those long arms, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, the dude says nothing. His exact direction is he stands up smiling, and when he when the guy flies out the window, he looks at RoboCop and goes, 
thumbs up that's it and it is one of the funniest things i've ever seen and it's it's good moments like that that just keep it so yeah. so good um i mean yeah and and peter weller he just you know it'd be like if you did i know that arnold schwarzenegger is overused for terminator but that that's the yeah. second thing i like to associate with with robocop is it's similar it's very similar yeah and even movement wise terminator and robocop yeah and the thing is like arnold schwarzenegger was like how do i play a robot and he did it so well <laughs> he really did he really did void of, of of emotion and and a lot of people are like well it's easy to play a robot and it's like really it's no, not because emotion is what people base their choices on 98 yeah. percent of the time when they're, when they're <laughs> accepting a role or being cast in one yeah so i mean when you when you when you see that uh that that's like one of the major things that you look for in a character is what's their personality and that's how you figure them out with Terminator, you have to be void of all that. When with RoboCop, you kind of have to be void of all that too for yeah. for a majority of the time. And Peter Weller did that very well, like Arnold Schwarzenegger did with playing T eight hundred was was really changing that. So I mean, when you when you when I saw the that they replaced Peter Weller that he didn't come back, uh, that's kind of what started to kill RoboCop three for me a little bit. Is that you know they got a fresh face and it felt like I was I was trying to. Like I missed something. Yeah, you know, because usually when they get a when they get a new cast too, it's usually because they they, you know, with RoboCop that could be anything. Maybe maybe he got. I hope that didn't get picked up on the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. You know, with RoboCop, it feels like uh, he could have, you know, went through some sort of facial reconstruction surgery. Or they could have written it off as that. <laughs> yeah, many many other things, and the, and you know it's 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 really thinking so far out there. Yeah, but at the same time, you're also thinking about those types of things because it, it it's reason you've had the same person playing the character for for two movies, and then they kind of just change it. So it kind of be like you know, like I said with with Arnold Schwarzenegger, if they changed him all seven for three. Yeah. Or like in Salvation, if they decide to go with a totally different person in yeah. that T eight hundred scene in Terminator Salvation. Well, Arnold technically is not he, his face is credited. He the yes, actor the is actor not is in the not movie. Arnold that is full CGI, which that was a good job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I knew that as well when I first saw it. Like you can tell CGI, but it's so well done. Yeah, and it's one of those few things like uh, like Grand Moff Tarkin in uh, Rogue One. Oh God! Was I? I that is why Rogue One is one of my favorites. That is a reason up there for sure. If you watch it on 4K, you can tell it's fake. But when you watch it in a standard, if you really look, yeah. <laughs> yes. But I mean, like in that standard version, even, well, I guess even IMAX, mm-hmm. they did a really good job with the facial. They got the person who who fit the facial structure. Yeah. And then they the little touch ups that they did, even with the little makeup before the CGI was was so well done that you're like, that looks exactly like Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing, 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 the dude. Yeah, it looks just like. I think I think it's Cushing, but I could be wrong. But yeah, it's it's stuff like that where you know, like even if they would have, and I mean I know like with RoboCop and a lot of those older movies, and even now it's expensive. Like the Gemini Man. Oh God! Don't uh, see. I thought the concept was there, so I enjoyed it because it was Will Smith. Yeah, that's that was my mindset going into but it. But it was very clear that they ran out of money. Yeah. 
And that's what really killed that movie, I think, for a lot of people. Is because by the end of that film, you could tell by the face of his younger of his younger self that they ran out of money. Well, my mindset with that movie was, oh, Will Smith is such a good actor. Having him play two, the two main characters is going to be incredible. I wasn't the biggest fan of it, to be honest. <laughs> and, and it's kind of, and in all fairness, it's kind of hard to take such a good actor and have him play himself. Yeah. Because that's Along difficult the younger to act himself. against. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and there's no base structure. Like, how do you play a younger version of yourself? Because I can only imagine yeah. that Will was thinking the whole time, what was I like when I was that age doing acting? I was doing Fresh Prince. Yeah. <laughs> like, how the hell am I supposed to take this? I was in West Philadelphia, born and raised. You know, <laughs> how, how did I, yeah, how do I go from this, this, uh, this small, fun, lighthearted comedy to, to all of a sudden... I'm an assassin. <laughs> yes, yeah, the roles that I've done in my adult years. Um, it's, it's similar with like the difficulty that could come with playing a robot because a lot of parts about acting is how your face looks during things that are occurring. And getting directed to have your face not change at all can be very it, difficult. Yeah, because you're just, you're a human being. You react to things. <laughs> and from the small acting experience that I've done, too, a lot of the things, too, when I try to practice before I do acting is looking at my face. I like to do that in the mirror because a lot of the time I'm like, but is that convincing? Is that yeah. really what a person would look like? Because the whole time you're thinking about, when you're thinking about your face, like for me, people tell me to smile in the picture. I feel like I'm smiling, but I'm not smiling at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, My mouth is like maybe a little bit of a smirk or a scowl. Mm-hmm. Which is not what I intend, but that's what it looks like. Yeah. So so f- imagining to do like a robot like Peter Weller had to do, especially with the makeup that makes his face look like it's just... That is astounding to me. Because it actually looks like his face is just cut yeah. and paste. But how did they do that? Like, I don't even know. I was watching it behind the scenes. I can't remember. But when you do watch Robocop, they're, they're, when you see under his mask like what's left of him besides his brain and stuff is his face. And it literally looks... Kind of like that Saw 5 teaser poster where they got all the chains holding that face in place. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's gross, but it's kind of like if you've seen uh, the DC where the Joker cuts his face off. It's kind of like that. I have those just, comics, yeah. Yeah, where he just staples his face basically onto his head. To and, prove a point. <laughs> yes. Which we'll go into in another episode. Yeah. But... Uh, Definitely, that's what it looks like with RoboCop. It literally looks like they 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 put his face back on, stapled it, and yeah. chained it back into place. And it's impressive how convincing it looks. Yes. The, it, o- the only thing that kind of takes it away is when you look at the throat box thing, and you can see his Adam's apple moving a little bit, but not much. That's the only thing that takes it away yeah, from but, it. But the rest of it, like at face value, when you, when you see an image, is like, holy crap. Maybe we'll also do like a little slideshow so I can I can put that in here too and then you guys can uh, you guys can see yeah. it. But it is so convincing. Right down to when his mouth is moving. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just, my phone is out, which it shouldn't be, but I just got a text saying when you're coming home from my mom. And it, it made me realize we've been here for hours. <laughs> oh, this is true. This is yeah. true. Uh, but um Definitely. Well, I think we can wrap on this episode. Yeah, so how far. long have we been? We've been like an hour and three minutes now. Really? Hmm. It goes by that fast. It does. Wow. Um, 
but yeah, definitely uh, overall with uh, with RoboCop, give it a give it a good view. The, yeah. the movies are real are worth it. They have uh, definitely worth the the first two. Go into those with open minds. Uh, yeah. The remake is pretty decent as well. Not my all time favorite because it is PG thirteen, yeah. but uh, with with the rating that they work with, they do a really good yeah. job. The CGI is pretty good in there. The new suit design that they give RoboCop is. It's pretty it's slick. Pretty, it's pretty badass. The black, black and red, and that kind of gives you that uh, uh, Cyclops vibe. Yeah, the um, from his visor, like the original. I feel like the things I'll remember for a long time from the remake is the shots where it's actually what's left of him, and you realize all that is left is a hand and his lungs and his face and his brain. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing I'll remember is how cool Ed Two O Nine looked in that. Oh my gosh! Like, yes. <sighs> Looked like just an unmanned walker. In- and not to mention, too, Gary Oldman, he plays it. Yeah. And Samuel L. Jackson, Samuel Jackson. Is, is in there, too. So, you, you didn't see my pupils. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So if you, want a, if you want a good watch of Gary Oldman and Samuel L. Jackson, there's that, too. You want a fun popcorn movie that, you know. Yeah. And then uh, I think uh, the Prime Directive movies, too. Are those movies? I thought that was a miniseries. It was a miniseries. They were feature length, so I kind of consider them movies. Ah. Uh, because... Okay. And I like those. I, I I primarily like uh, the the doppelganger stuff. So I yeah. like that one. That's where always it's fun. Doppelganger, yeah. That's always fun. Um, ha- have we interest you, a person who's never seen any of the RoboCop movies, to check them out? Yeah, actually, listening okay. to this. It, there we go. I, I haven't. heard. We did our job, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're definitely worth a view. So uh, definitely check out RoboCop one, two, and three. Uh, then there's the Prime Directive mm. series, uh, which is uh, Dark Justice, uh, Meltdown, Resurrection, and Crash and Burn. I uh, you have to pr- watch those in order, I believe, to get them because they are still a uh, mini series. Um, I think it is Meltdown, or uh, I think it. I think it's Meltdown that has. Um, RoboCop go up against another RoboCop doppelganger, and yeah. they look exactly the same, one just darker. It's not a RoboCop 2 situation. <laughs> it, yeah, it's not like the RoboCop 2, but it's fun to watch, because I've always loved doppelgangers. And then there is RoboCop the series, which I don't even know where you can uh, where you can watch those. The only clip I've seen of RoboCop the series is he's holding up a guy who has really bad prosthetic makeup, and the guy says, where's your sense of humor? And RoboCop goes, right here, and punches him in the face. And I'm like, okay, this is this looks like it'd be a treasure in a sense of like making fun of something. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to sit and trash things. We should definitely just... Do a podcast on a really bad movie. <laughs> we should, and yeah. I would love to trash those movies. Still giving them a chance, but there are yeah. some movies like, uh, what is it, Street Trash, that are mm-hmm. kind of unforgivable, but they're so bad that yeah. they're... Night of the Lepus. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what that is? I have never heard of that. So it's from the 70s, right? Mid-70s, I'd say. Night of the Lepus. Anyways... Uh, some type of radiation thing happens, and bunnies get to be like 20 times their normal size, 
Something like that. Yeah, and they're killer, killer they're, animals. Yeah, so there's people, like, shooting at them with guns, and then it cuts to stock footage of bunnies jumping around, but it's at an angle, so they look giant, and then it cuts back to the person, and they're on the ground dying. It's it's like if, you, <laughs> if any of you have seen Jaws 3, where they where they mix that shark footage without any sort of taste, yeah. unlike the first one, where they literally just throw, like, this weird shark, and then you see how <laughs> fake the actual shark is, and you're like... We have wow. to talk about the Jaws franchise at some point, because I have a lot of things to say about Char- Jaws 4, in terms of demand and supply. <laughs> a lot of, like, just to give you guys a taste, who the hell, and how is the audience high, when somebody said, ooh, when we impale a shark, it should explode on home video. Yes, and unlike the original ending where they impale it, and it's awesome. And when we electrocute a shark, it should roar like a lion. <laughs> Sharks don't have lungs. It can't do that. Yeah. My, it, my, oh my god, those movies are... My favorite comment about that movie, because who is it who's in it? He also plays Alfred in the Christopher Nolan Yeah, Batman. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. They asked Michael Caine if he's ever seen the final cut of Jaws 4. <gasps> Have you heard his response to this? He's only seen the house that they bought, and it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, he saw the house it bought me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And there's nothing else from him because he yeah. just didn't see the movie because it got such yeah. poor reception. Well, there, there's also that, that, that guy, just to give you another little taste, there also is that priest <laughs> who's making the play and he's like, where the hell are the wise men? Jesus. Well, there's like, and he's cursing at all the little kids and stuff trying to get ready. He's like, um, Michael Caine gets pulled out of the water and he's like soaking wet, but they were <laughs> filming out there for so long that there are shots where his clothes are completely dry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then there's also the that scene uh, in the plane where he's like, damn passengers, you're all the same. Complain, complain. Shark pops up. Oh shit! Runs back <laughs> in the plane. The shark drags it down underwater. <laughs> Oh, God, I love that oh. scene. I could watch that scene forever. That was so great. It's a treasure. It's like the it's like the Mortal Kombat movies. <laughs> but it was still better than Jaws 3. Jaws 4 was better than Jaws 3? I like the revenge more than Jaws 3. Oh, we're going to have to have a talk. Because <laughs> 3 was bad. Three I'm had sorry. De- 3 had Dennis Quaid. 3 had Dennis Quaid. That was it, though. <laughs> you can't say more of that movie. At least you could say that... Jaws of Revenge made you laugh a little bit just because... That. But they did have a kick-ass opening theme. Yeah. Well, and I've heard... Because Jaws 3, its main, like, push to it is the fact that it's in 3D. It was marketed as Jaws 3-D. Which is... Oh, God. And if you watch it in 3D, it's apparently acceptable as a film. I've seen <laughs> it with the 3D... With the lame 3D glasses. And it's, it, it's acceptable, but... Okay. Oh my god, that fish head for 15 <laughs> seconds trying to suck people in where the shark just crunches the fish and the fish head just goes blub, blub, blub for literally 15 seconds at the screen yeah. and you see all the muscle and everything. The fish head doesn't even look real at this point. It reminded me a lot of... Um... God, it's the latest Alien movie. Covenant. Covenant. Alien Covenant. Oh, they show that shot of a rotating head in water about five times. <laughs> Oh god, oh. yeah, and, and and Jaws the Revenge, or I mean Jaws 3D was nothing but those. The only good thing was that shark death. I can only say because yeah, that was too short. Yeah, but the blobbing fish head and the arm, 
yeah. flying towards the screen with <laughs> nothing but a severed bone. Yeah, is like, two severed bones. Which yeah. was like, how did that happen? Yeah. It made me not want to go to SeaWorld. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> I'm like, this can happen? No. Everybody's sitting in the little squirting uh, bumper boats, and all of a sudden the shark just comes up and rips Dennis Quaid's girlfriend apart of Sean's oh, and God. cuts her leg. And I was like, oh, why? Oh. I said why a lot during both three and four. (laughs) (laughs) And who... I I have to say this before we end this. Like, who was in it? It was Dennis Quaid, Bess Armstrong, Louis uh, Gazette Jr. was in it as Kevin Bouchard. Oh. Is that the British guy who's like, I'll hump the shock? (laughs) No, that was... uh, Either Jack Tate by P.H. Uh, Morady? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Or or uh, Philip Fitzroyce, who got swallowed by the shark. and well, Fitzroyce, uh, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah. He gets swallowed by the shark, and somehow he just starts going down, and his mask goes on. He's like... Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. And you can see him looking at the thing for, like, five minutes too long. Yeah, and you so if you're an ASMR fan and you love hearing uh, mouth sound effects, it literally sounds like Jaws three. Folks. Somebody <laughs> swallowed a mic and just goes, oh, 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 like a big fat guy chewing food or something. I it's... feel like that is the perfect place to end this podcast <laughs> on. That is the perfect note to end this Robo podcast on. But yes, definitely in the end, uh, definitely check out the RoboCop movies. They're definitely yeah. worth a view, even if you're not the biggest fan. Uh, formulate your own opinion and then tell us what you guys think if you saw it yeah. or if we helped you helped you make up your mind to go see it. So Yeah, and let, it, let us know what else you'd like to hear us talk about with a mix of tangents. <laughs> yes. And then hopefully soon, too, we'll, we'll probably do a comedy series where uh, we'll spend a majority of the time ripping these movies apart. What am I... <laughs> Hold on. We'll do the only safe thing. Okay, so the show. (laughs) (laughs) As you don't know, there was a spider about two centimeters away from my elbow. It went under your elbow at one point. (laughs) I need to burn everything. (laughs) The house must die. So, (laughs) with that note, check out the Robocops. Let us know what you think. And the rest of you have a great night. Yes. And um, we we would like to, I I just want to say real quick, I hope everyone is doing okay with everything that's happening right now. If it's a few years from now, this is right in the middle of the whole COVID-19. COVID-19. Coronavirus is happening right now. So I hope everyone's safe. I hope everyone's happy. And I hope we were able to take your mind off of craziness for about an hour. Yeah, and we'll continue to do that for you guys because yeah. what is what better thing is it to do than to sit at home and listen to a bunch of crazy people talk about movies? Yeah. So because movies are escapism, and we are t- talking about escapism in a form of escapism, <laughs> and we love our movies. We really escapism. do. We really do. Uh, where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me, guys, at uh, Ice Superen. Um, uh, that's for Instagram and Twitter. I primarily use my Instagram. So, uh, Ice Super N, Ice, Super, and the letter N, lowercase, all one word. Uh, and then we'll eventually have uh, a YouTube channel up soon, as well as a Twitter and Instagram that you can follow us at, at uh, uh, Nerd Hour. Nerds Hour. That's, Film Nerds Hour, yeah. Yeah, this will be our first podcast, and then our channel will be called Nerds Hour, and uh, we'll soon branch out and do a whole bunch of other stuff. To bring to you guys. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that. And hopefully you guys will be able to find us on there. We'll put a little link down uh, in the description as well. So you guys can uh, 
be redirected right to my main page and then our official page. Yeah. So. And that was Noah Sweeto. Uh, you can find me. I said your name right. right? Yes. Okay. Good. First uh, you, time. <laughs> you looked at me like I didn't. No. Uh, my name is Nathaniel Shoemaker. You can find me on Twitter at Nate David Allen S. That is N A T D A V I D A L L E N S. The Nate in the N and Nate is capitalized. The D and David is capitalized. The a and Allen is capitalized and the S is capitalized. I'm not going to get any more followers. Um, <laughs> you can find me there. You can also find me um, at, at Nathaniel Shoemaker on Stardust. I do a lot of 30-second movie and uh, TV show reviews, most recently and notably. I watched all of Game of Thrones in three weeks. So, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have a little bit of time to squander with my reviewing such things. Where can people find you? Anywhere? I honestly have so many usernames for so many different platforms. Okay. You can find me anywhere, just Hannah Henricks and see what pops up. So, yeah, you guys let us know what you want us here in the future and uh, soon see because we'll be doing some video podcasts too. So, you let us know what you want to hear and see and we'll bring it to you. Yeah. With that, you all stay safe uh, and stay healthy and you have a great night. And we will uh, talk to you guys in the next podcast. Yes, drink plenty of fluids. See you later. (laughs)